It's good to see all of you. We're going to let our elementary kids head to children's worship now. Nobody's got as cool a hat as Colson does today. Colson, Colson, does the shield go down? Okay. Man, could have wore that to school last year. I have been in good shape. So, Hey, uh, good to see all of you. Uh, we're going to begin with a word of prayer, and uh, then you can grab your Bibles and open them to Psalm chapter 119. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab one of the ones in the pew in front of you. It's page 624 in those ones. And so as you're turning there, why don't you join me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, uh, We are grateful for this morning and for the opportunity that it is to come together to worship according to your word. We pray that you would lead us and guide us as we work through what it looks like to uh, study your scriptures, what it looks like to be a people who would know them well. And so as we we really talk and dig in uh, this morning into some of the practical instruction in that, we ask that you would uh, guide it and lead it and and let us, uh, let me, walk well between the distinction of uh, conviction but but not guilt and that it would be a joy that we dig deeper and better into our study of the scripture and and what it looks like to know your word and so help us with that uh, this morning by the work of your spirit we pray it in Jesus name amen I, uh, I don't know, Dave probably doesn't know this, but the, the church that wrote that letter, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've been there before and seen that stage in the middle. I don't know if we got like a remodel project, but that would be, I'd be up for that. And we could get one of those like playground carousels, you know, where you just grab a hold of the bar and then I'll just spin and talk to you the whole time. I don't know, it's an option. I'm just saying. It's, I, I guess we go golf simulator first and then that's the backup, but in that, uh, don't, don't expect either of those things coming soon. Um, what you can expect is that we would be a people who would consistently value, treasure, and, and use our time effectively as a, cor- as a corporate congregation desiring to study the Word of God. In fact, we, we've said that uh, our methodology, what we, what we do here as a church, is that we would be expositional in our nature, that we're generally just going to grab some piece of, some book of the Bible, and we're going to read it and interpret it, explain it, and use that as an opportunity for us to learn what God is saying to us as a congregation and as individuals. And so uh, in that purpose, or in that light, we said this summer gave us an opportunity to kind of step back and really uh, explain the reason for that foundation. And so this is the fourth week in a series that we titled According to the Scriptures, and we just wanted to kind of give you some time to consider how valuable Scriptures are and why we would find ourselves uh, doing that and, and treasuring that so much. And so we kind of walked through it week by week, and we tried to make it... Um, easy on you by really highlighting a single word each week or a series of words each week. And so we said uh, in the first week that the Bible was something that we would trust. And so first and foremost, that what it looks like to uh, preach according to the Scriptures is that ultimately we trust the Scriptures as true and the standard of truth. And then uh, second to that, we said uh, not only should you trust them, but you should obey them. That, that ultimately, if 
they are indeed true and the standard of truth, then they demand not only our understanding of them, but our obedience to them. And then uh, this last week we looked and said, well, ultimately you don't obey things that you don't delight in. And so more than just trusting in a mental capacity or obeying in an action-only capacity, that the fullness of who we are would delight in or treasure the scriptures as we move forward and and that that's a growing thing over time it doesn't just happen but rather that as we hold to them and as we grow in them we watch the Lord really transform us to be a people who finds worth finds value finds dependency finds delight in the scriptures and so we kind of built out all of that and and what I recognize is is in that uh, we've, we've really taken a real fundamental approach uh, or, or like an attitude-based approach to what we would say. And we wanted to conclude the series uh, in a much more nuts and bolts, practical kind of way. And so, so I want to just kind of walk you through practically what it looks like to be a people who trust the scriptures, obeys the scriptures, delights in the scriptures. What does that mean? What do you, what do, you do with them? And so we last week looked through uh, a selection of Psalm 119. And so real quick, kind of just catch you up if you weren't here last weekend. Psalm 119 is the longest single chapter in all of the Bible. It's a love poem. And it bears like an acrostic style, right? And so every Every word that begins a line in the poem begins with the same letter in segments of eight. And so the first eight lines of the poem are the Hebrew letter Aleph that begins those lines. And then the next eight lines in the poem are the Hebrew uh, letter Bet, right, that begins the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet. There's 22 sections because there's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. So if we were to kind of extrapolate that out into English, right, make something comparable, you would have a poem that is A to Z, eight lines each, uh, giving in the, the author's perspective the amount of love and adoration he could give to the Bible, right? Like, which is, is really fascinating, right? The, the longest, most uh, involved poem in all of the Scripture, a love poem, is about the Scripture itself. Right, which is, it ought to give us some reason to understand the value of that or the context of how important the Bible and those who were writing, reading the scriptures found it to be. And so out of this, we said one of the reoccurring themes over and over again in this poetry is that we would be a people who would delight in the precepts, the commands, the law of the Lord. And so then we kind of go from that this week, and uh, I think... I think, again, like really a how-to practical instruction kind of idea, uh, we're just going to take through Psalm 119 and spend some time working on some of the practical things that the author is kind of pressing upon you and I to do with the precepts, with the commands, with the law of God, so that we would be a people who really can delight in it. And so what I did was, was just kind of spent the week sort of categorically looking through that psalm and going, okay, what are, what are some words, or in particular, some verbs that just repeat themselves over and over and over again as the author's encouraging us to be a people who would delight in who God is. Hang on one second. Keep it up, man. You're good. You're good. 
I love Avery. We, we were talking not too long ago about like, where do we sit? Because Avery is like, I'm like, he's the one who's actually awake the whole time and animated. Like, some of you could do better with that kind of attitude. It's just, okay? Amen. Hey, so here's, here's what I want to do. Uh, more, more practical, maybe, maybe more useful, maybe less useful for some of you than normal, but uh, I want to really kind of take you through some how-tos in what it looks like to value, delight in the Scripture. And so uh, in this, maybe you're somebody who goes, oh, I never write my Bible, I never work in my Bible at all. That's okay. If you're not one of those or you haven't decided about that, here's what I did. I took highlighters and I put them in every single pew back in the little thing. Yes, yeah, some of you have them. Now, what I did was I got here early and I put highlighters in every single one. And then uh, one of our, <laughs> Pearl, came, came in right after that and was like, what are all these doing? And collected every single one of the highlighters, pulled them back out. Uh, and so if you are looking in your pew bag, you're like, I don't got a highlighter in there, right? Just slip your hand up. We have a whole pile of them now that were, were very meticulously collected. And Matt will give you a highlighter so that you can use this. Because here's, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read to you several verses. I mean, uh, 40, 50 verses over the course of the next 15, 20 minutes. And I want you to use the highlighter if you'd like to. Uh, if you're using one of the house Bibles, go for it. That sounds good. Maybe somebody will pick it up and they'll see some things highlighted that will be of particular value to them later. Uh, if you don't have a Bible and that's why you're using the house Bible, go for it and then keep that Bible, right? Take it with you as you leave today. And so in this, here's my goal. We've got five, five words, five verbs, five commands that each kind of denote a different thing that you are meant to do with the Scriptures with the purpose of us really categorically thinking about how important these things are. Now what you're going to see is that as you read Psalm 119, these particular things are repeated time and time again because the author finds them of particular worth or value. So here's the question that we just answer in these five words. And, and if you know me, we'll spend a whole lot more than five words answering the question. But the question is, what do you do with the Scriptures? What do you do with them? Well, here's the first word. I think, I think you pray through and over the Scriptures. First and foremost, that you pray through and over the Scriptures. You pray that God would open your eyes clearly to see the truth of His Word clearly and accurately. Right? So, so first and foremost, before you even begin to read and endeavor into what it looks like, you have to understand that these are discerned spiritually, that they're given to you, you're, you're taught them and learned them through the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Look at how frequently the author is going to repeat this concept, that we would pray about giving understanding from the Lord in the Scriptures. Start with me, Psalm 119, look at verse 18, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you the verse number, you can use your highlighter, I'm going to read the verse, I just want you to notice how repetitive this gets as the author is, is dealing with the same thing over and over and over again. Verse 18, open my eyes that I may behold the wonderful things from your law. 
Verse 19, I am a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. Open my eyes. Don't hide them. Go down to verse 27. Make me understand the way of your precepts. Verse 34, give me understanding that I may observe your law and keep it with all my heart. Verse 36, incline my heart to your testimonies and not to dishonest gain. Verse 37, turn my eyes away from looking at vanity and revive me in your ways. Skip ahead a little bit. Verse 73, your hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. But down further, verse 104, from your precepts I get understanding therefore i hate every false way verse 125 i am your servant give me understanding over and over and over again the nature of the author is recognizing that in order for us to read the bible well it would be the lord who is opening our eyes or giving us understanding to this you remember in uh the gospel accounts, Jesus tells this parable about a sower who goes out to sow seed, right? And, and he talks about the seed being the word of God, the, the scriptures, right? And the, some of the seed falls along the path and right away it's eaten up. And some of the seed falls around upon rocky ground and, and it doesn't have any root and it's scorched. And some of the seed falls among thorns and so it's choked out uh, by the thorns around them. And some falls on good soil and it bears fruit, 30, 60, 100 fold. And, and out of this parable, Jesus finishes with a, a phrase that I think is of the most important phrases in all of the scripture. He, ha- he says this, he who has ears to hear let him hear right uh, and he he goes on to say that some have though they have ears they will not hear and though they have eyes they will not perceive they will not see that we are a people who need ears to hear and eyes to see and how do you get that well the bible says over and over again you ask of the lord give me understanding. Now, now, how does it work? The Apostle Paul specifically kind of talks about what this looks like in 1 Corinthians, and we're going to go uh, out of this series and the next series. We're going to head to Corinthians in the fall, and so I'm going to really abbreviate this and know that we're going to talk about it more in just a few weeks. Teaser alert, right? I don't know if that works. Uh, but in this, Paul's going to say this about the work of the Holy Spirit in you and I's life. He says, for to us, God revealed the the law, the truth of the gospel, through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. And now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. The natural man doesn't accept the, the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And listen to this, he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. For the 
For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. This is, this is the glorious news of the gospel is that as you place faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit is inside of you. And so as you prepare to read the Word of God, you ought to be a people who remember to pray. We should be a people who are praying that the Lord would give us understanding through the working of the Holy Spirit that is in you. Because the reality is the natural man cannot understand and many of people who without faith have read the Bible read that with no comprehension, no understanding, or no recognition of who God is and yet the consistent cry of the Psalms is Lord make me understand. Open my eyes that I might see. Open my heart that I might perceive and have understanding. And so first and foremost as we're a people who would know the scriptures we ought to pray that God through the working of his spirit supernaturally is giving us wisdom, is giving us understanding, is allowing us to appraise the scriptures well. Now that doesn't mean you neglect like learning what that is but first and foremost, that if you're not asking the Lord to give you comprehension, it will never make sense. Amen? Let's keep going. Second, second one. Uh, perhaps a simple one, right? But that we would be a people who read the Scriptures. Listen, listen to this. Listen to how consistently the author is going to talk about what it means to learn, to read, to know what is in the Scriptures. Verse 7. I shall give thanks to you. You got your highlighter ready if you are there with me. With uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. Verse 12. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. Verse 23. Even though princes sit and talk against me, your servant meditates on your statutes. Verse 26. I have told you of my ways, and you have answered me. Listen to it again. Teach me your statutes. Verse 23. Or 33, excuse me. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall observe it to the end. Verse 64. The earth is full of your loving kindness, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. Verse 66. Teach me good discernment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Verse 68, you are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. Verse 102, I have not turned aside from your ordinances, for you yourself have taught me. Verse 108, oh, accept the freewill offerings of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me your ordinances. Verse 124, deal with your servant according to your loving kindness and teach me your statutes. Verse 135, make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes. Verse 171, let my lips utter praise for you. Teach me your statutes. Over and over and over again. Make me understand and then teach me. Let me learn. Teach me what your word says. Namely, that, that we would be a people who read the scriptures. Now, let me, let me just note a couple things about this. Because here's, here's what tends to be the case anytime we talk about reading the Bible. Um, is, is the conviction that we feel, I think, oftentimes gets sort of pulled into a feeling of, either guilt and shame for 
probably the majority of us who don't read enough or uh, a feeling of kind of pride and complacency for those who feel like, oh, I have a really good discipline of that, and, and I'm doing just fine. I do read the scriptures with some consistency. And so my, my hope is out of this that we would recognize that both of those things are not spiritually discerned feelings, but rather in our natural man can either feel guilty for all of the things that we're not doing well, or we can feel prideful because we think that we're actually the ones doing the good things in our lives and not the Spirit at work within us. And both of them would find us away from what the Lord actually wants or what the author of the Psalms here is saying over and over again, that the purpose of this would be that God is teaching him to know him according to his statutes, according to his law, according to his word. And so for us, we would be a people who are consistent in reading it is not enough for you to come here once a week and listen to me talk for a half an hour and feel like you have an accurate and full understanding of the scriptures not only that uh it's it's not healthy for you and it's foolishness to believe that the greatest gift that god has given us in in this tangible sense according to his word is uh, not something that you need despite the privilege that it is that you have it right I just had a conversation coming out of Sunday school we were talking about why God reveals himself according to signs and wonders and miraculous things in many cases within the scriptures and why we don't see so much of that now and I think in part it's because here it is the fullness of God's revelation to us and what most of us are doing with it is nothing amen it's, uh, I read somewhere that the average American household has eight Bibles eight just read one of them right like <laughs> you can give away the other seven uh, in this though here's here's maybe some practical things out of this right first of all it's that oftentimes uh, we make the same mistake. <laughs> I love it. I, I'm totally fine with it. I just saw like a hand under here and then like squeaking as he's getting like pulled back. It's cool, man. It's, I'm, yeah, hey, I'm not, I'm not complaining. Everybody here is so joyous about it. It's, it's awesome. I know it's, it feels a little embarrassing. It shouldn't be though. But, but in this, right, uh, we have this tendency to kind of treat Bible reading like a healthy diet. Right? And so some of you who have developed that discipline over a series of years and are really consistent in studying and knowing and reading the Scripture know and have through that derived the value of how healthy it is for you and how great it has guided you in your life and principles. And then for many, uh, that has something that hasn't really happened at any time in your life. It's not something that's super consistent. And like most New Year's resolution diets, it's totally fine like most new year's resolution diets right we get like three weeks a year where it becomes 
really a focal point for us. And then uh, as life sort of gets in the way and bad habits and old things kind of filter their way back in, it eradicates itself out. It's why so many, like I tease about this a lot, but so many reading plans in the Bible and like halfway through the book of Genesis or if you're really diligent at the beginning of the book of Numbers because you go, oh man, this year I'm going to read the whole Bible. And you get through the first 30 chapters and you go, this is pretty good. And then you get to Joseph and the coat of many colors and maybe you get all the way to the end of Genesis or you get through Exodus, but then you start reading Leviticus, and you're like, man, I don't, I don't know what this means. And then you get to numbers, and it's just, I mean, that's literally what it is, numbers. And you're going, you know, okay, right, I'll try again next year. And so, and out of this, here's, here's my encouragement to you. One, you ought to know who you are, right? So, some of you uh, in your personality could just sit and read for hours and hours and hours. And if that's you, perhaps uh, your study of the scripture ought to be in large blocks of time and consistently, and you, you block out an hour every two, three days to sit down and read big selections of texts. Others of you, you've never read more than a page at a time in your entire life. You can't make it through an entire article in a magazine or on your Facebook page. And if that's you, like, understand that and don't come with an ambition to go, I'm going to start reading the Bible and I'm going to, I'm going to sit down for an hour and a half and read it because I promise you, you're going to fail. Amen? And, and so take it in a chunk that is maybe manageable for you and in line with how you would go and then out of that, begin to build. And so, so let me give you really practical a couple things. Uh, if you're somebody in here, and, and I, I would bet there are a lot of you. And, and so you don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to be embarrassed about this. But I would trust that there's a lot of you who hardly ever or never pick this up outside of a context like this. Here's, here's what I would challenge you to do. This week, two minutes a day. Next week, three minutes a day. The week after that, four minutes a day. I mean, that's, that's as long as some of you brush your teeth. It's as long as all of you should brush your teeth, by the way. But, you know. Mine has a timer that goes off, or I never would, right? And so two minutes a day, maybe you do it while you're brushing your teeth if you're a real good multitasker, I don't know. But in this, right, if you're someone who just never reads, don't do the New Year's resolution thing and go, I'm going to read for an hour a day, and you make it through precisely three days, and you never do it again. Develop a lifestyle. Go, this week I'll do two minutes a day, and next week I'll do three minutes a day. And before you know it, a few months from now, maybe 15, 20, 30 minutes a day, you're actually spending time in God's Word. And like healthy lifestyles, what you'll find is over time, it begins to transform you in a way that I won't have to plead with you about the value of it ever again. All right? Second, um, maybe you're somebody who doesn't read at all. You, you do this. You have a smartphone. There's apps upon apps upon apps. My, my favorite is the version Bible. Uh, you just download the app, listen to it. Just, just listen to it for a good period of time and allow it to start to move and work in your life as you're asking the Lord to teach me your precepts, teach me your statutes, give me understanding, God. Uh, and, then, and then let me add one more. Um, if you have kids, especially if you have young kids at home, we, we have out in the lobby, you can take one, uh, would love for you to take one. We have Bibles, kids' Bibles called the Jesus Storybook Bible. It's at like a first grade, second grade reading level. 
and, which is what some of you need, okay? Just being honest with you, right? And, and so you take that and read them the scriptures and watch how it begins to transform your life and how you begin to know the scriptures because you're in it and you're doing that and you're developing this habit that the author of the Psalms doesn't have to be uh, kind of persuaded into doing but understands as his conviction that he wants the Lord to teach him his statutes. Grab your highlighter. Let's keep going. Add a couple more. Meditate. Number three, that we would meditate on the word. Watch how frequently this is going to show up. Verse 15, I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. Verse 23, your servant meditates on your statutes. Verse 27, so I will meditate on your wonders. Verse 48, I will meditate on your statutes. Verse 78, but I shall meditate on your precepts. Verse 99, for your testimonies are my meditation. You scoot back up, verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Verse 148, my eyes anticipate the night's watches that I may meditate on your word. Over and over and over again, he's going to use this idea. Uh, and, and I think we like don't understand what this uh, word means in its fullness, but let me, get, let me give you a couple things that I think it does mean. First of all, it means that you would seek to understand what the scriptures are actually telling you. Um, I, always, I always think it's interesting, like, when people define themselves as Bible-believing churches, uh, how much diversity there is in that claim. You ever, you ever consider that? That most churches that describe themselves as Bible-believing churches disagree with one another about significant portions of the Bible. That only ironic to me? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I'm just weird thinking about different things than you, but, but in that, here's, here's what I think the author is getting at when he talks about meditation, that we wouldn't simply read it and allow it to come in and come out, but that we would understand, think about, dwell on, spend time considering what the Scripture means to us, that we would learn it and know it and understand it and apply it into our life, that it wouldn't simply be something that we passingly go over, but that it's a continuous consideration of our heart. Now, now again, like this is, this is practical and this is just, this helps me. Maybe this doesn't work for you, but one of the things that I started doing in college that has been very helpful in this is I started just writing them down on note cards, right? I got a bunch of them that I took here and brought up just so you could see it, right? But I just took a verse or two that I would read a particular day or a particular week and I wrote it down and I put it on a note card. And then in the middle of the day when I wasn't doing something, I just look at it and I read it and I consider it and I try to memorize it or I would try to understand or I would think about one particular verb or one particular word in that verse to understand what does it mean for us that you would meditate on the scriptures, that you would try to learn what it's actually saying to you. Because, here's the danger, uh, the, the Pharisees, right, are the group of religious leaders that Jesus interacts with most harshly. And here's the thing about them. They know the scriptures better than anyone else. 
Anyone. They, they've memorized the fullness of the Old Testament. If you were a Pharisee, that was a requirement. You had it down, and then you had memorized scores and scores of literature on top of that so that you could make sure that you had, by the rule of the law and the letter of the law, done things the right way. They knew it here, but they didn't interpret it correctly. It's why when Jesus interacts with them, he says things that are so, in fact, so offensive to them about what they should do. So Matthew chapter 9, here's what happens. Jesus is interacting with the Pharisees. He calls Matthew, the tax collector, the one who the Pharisees would have looked at and said, this guy this guy's not worthy of walking with you. This guy is not worthy of being one of your disciples. And after this calling, they're frustrated with him. It says that Jesus was reclining at the table in the house. And behold, many tax collectors and sinners were dining with Jesus and his disciples. And so the Pharisees saw this and said to his disciples, Why is your teacher eating with tax collectors and sinners? What's, what's he doing with these people? And Jesus says, It's not those who are healthy who needs a physician, but those who are sick. And then he says this, listen, go and learn what this means. And then he quotes the Old Testament. I desire compassion and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous but sinners. Can you imagine the offense to those who have memorized and know the Bible better than anyone else? Jesus looking at them and saying, go and learn what this means. You read the Bible and you don't know what it means this is what meditate means. Learn what it means. Memorize the scriptures. Understand the meaning of the scriptures. And, and maybe, maybe that means um, you have to repeat it over and over and over again. Maybe, maybe it means you have to sing the scriptures, which is convenient because here's the next word, that we would praise the Lord. That we would give honor and glory to God according to his scriptures. Grab your highlighter. Verse 54. Your statutes are my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. Verse uh, 164. Did you know that the book of Psalms is, is basically an Old Testament hymnal? They were singing these psalms. 164. Seven times a day I praise you. Because of your righteous ordinance. 171, let my lips utter praise, for you teach me your statutes. 172, let my tongue sing of your word. 175, let my soul live that it may praise you. That we would be a people who sing the Bible. This is, this is why as a church, when we pick worship music, uh, our first inclination and concern is not primarily uh, what sounds good or what would help you uh, feel emotionally really great or what style of music you desire. Uh, in fact, I feel like one of the things that we rest in is that most of you, for one reason or another, are unhappy with the style of music at times. Uh, in fact, if we're not making some of you unhappy, I feel like we're probably doing the wrong thing. In that, right, here's, here's why. Because the assessment of what we would do in singing is whether or not we're praising the Lord according to the Scriptures. Sometimes the song we sing are just Scripture, set to song, because the purpose is that the greatest things we could sing to the Lord in praise and in honor of His glory are the Scriptures. That we would be consistent with the truth of the Scriptures, the themes of the Scriptures, that that would be a consistent song of our heart. Um, in fact, one more practical thing. If you're a parent, uh, or if 
You're not a parent, right? We set out, we have, are designed for kids. So if you're a parent or a grandparent, uh, we have out in the lobby CDs called Seeds of Worship. They are literally just verses of Scripture put to song so that your young people can hear songs of worship, learn them, and learn the Scriptures according to the praising of the name of God. Take one with the storybook Bible. Go with it. Use it. Learn it. Praise the Lord in it. And then finally this, and we'll close with this thought. All of this so that we would be a people who do what? We, we proclaim the word of God. Verse, verse 46, Psalm 119, he says this. I will also speak of your testimonies before kings and shall not be ashamed. And then uh, verse 116. Sustain me according to your word that I may live, and do not let me be ashamed of my hope. Here's, here's the thing. As you pray over the scriptures, as you read and learn the scriptures, as you meditate on the scriptures, as you praise the Lord in the scriptures, that it would make you a person who proclaims the good news of Jesus according to the scriptures. And what you're going to find, like, I don't know if you've noticed this, right, but we live in a culture who is less and less and less aware of what the Bible actually says than ever before. Uh, I was watching the Olympics this week. Olympics? Anybody watch the Olympics? I like, I, I, I feel like every four years I forget this, but like I love the Olympics. Man, I, I really, I eat it up. I enjoy watching it, especially when you get done with the swimming because the swimming is kind of terrible. You're just, I mean, somebody splashed in a pool. You can't even see what's going on. But then, like, after that, all the rest of the events, I'm like, man, I don't even know what handball is. And, like, yesterday there was, like, they're on a track on bicycles, and I'm not sure what they're doing. Like, it's a race of some sort, but they're switching in and out. I don't even have to understand it to enjoy watching it. Um, but in particular, one of the events, the women's 400-meter hurdles was on this week. Uh, and there's a, there's a young girl, there's, in fact, two American girls who are the best two 400-meter hurdlers in the world. And so the last four times they've raced, they've set new world records. So every single time, uh, and two of them have won once, and two of them, the, the other two is the other one's won the other two times, right? Uh, and so uh, in this, they're like hopping up this race, and they're really excited, and they're kind of building up this rivalry between these two girls. And the one girl is a believer, and, and apparently a really devout believer. And so they ask her about this rivalry, and she says, well, I don't really see it as a rivalry. I think about it as iron sharpens iron. And, and NBC like latches on to this idea, like, oh, what a cool phrase, iron sharpening iron. Like, you know where that comes from? They don't. I'm telling you, the guy interviewing her is like, oh yeah, very insightful. Like that's something that she just, came, which is cool. I'm sure she's a very insightful girl. I'm not trying to like discredit her, but like, in fact, I give her more credit because here's what she did. She just quotes the Bible as a source for her living, her understanding, what it looks like to walk out a Christian life. And you know what you find more and more in our culture? That a culture who is uh, hostile towards the Scriptures has no idea what it says. So what's your job? you got to proclaim it. Teach them what it says. Be someone who would proclaim the good news according to the Scriptures because they don't know it. And and perhaps, frustratingly, neither do we oftentimes. And so we would be people who would 
learn, a people who would meditate on, and a people who would proclaim the scriptures. And most of all, let me close with this, that in doing so, it would glorify the good news of Jesus Christ. That same group, the Pharisees, who Jesus had such harsh conversations with and tells them, you ought to go and learn what the scriptures actually means, says this to them. John 5, 39, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me. Here's the truth, that over and over again as you learn the scriptures, what you will see is that they testify to the good news of Jesus as the source of eternal life. You want life and life eternal, life and life abundant. It will ultimately be found in Jesus and all of the truth of the scriptures will testify to it. Pray with me and then uh, we'll sing a song of praise to the Lord one more time before we go. Lord, I pray that we would be a people who trust your word a people who would obey your word, a people who would delight in your word. And, and Lord, I pray that you would help us in the functionality of how that happens. That like the psalmist instructs, we would be a people praying for understanding according to your scriptures, a people that are reading and learning what your scriptures tell us, a people who meditate on it, that our idle thoughts would come back to the truth according to your word, of people who are praising you according to your word in line with the scriptures, and a people who are proclaiming your word to all those who would hear and desire to make known the good news that eternal life is found in you, and that the scriptures testify to you again and again and again. Help us in it, Lord. That, that your spirit would be moving in us, that, that we wouldn't find that as uh, simply a guilty or ritualistic obligation, but rather that we'd see it as an opportunity to see and know you and truth, and that in so, it would sanctify us, Lord. Help us. I pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Why don't you stand with us, and uh, we'll take one more song to pray.